Hi, I'm Jeff Scoop uh, with my co-host, Acacia Dietz, and this is uh, Beyond Barriers. Thanks for joining us again. And our special guest this evening is Mohammed from Average Mohammed. Uh, welcome to the show, Mohammed. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming. Could you tell us a little bit about your uh, organization and some of the work that you do, Mohammed? Well, my organization is called Average Mohammed Organization, and uh, we are a counter-ideology platform. And when we talk about counter-ideology, we're talking about extremism, whether it's ideological or religious extremism. And we create products that counters extremism. Our mission value is quite simple. We promote peace because Islam is peace and it's a fundamental human value. We promote democracy in rights, liberties, and freedom. We are anti-extremist, be it Al-Qaeda, ISIS, or QAnon, or Proud Boys, or anybody else along those lines. And we are against hate, which is the hate of anti-Semitism, homophobia, racism, anti-Christianity, Islamophobia. And um, that's our goal and our objective. We, we work in schools, we work on social media, we do outreach, we work in the streets, we work almost universally anywhere we're invited. Excellent. <clears throat> Sounds uh, like a lot of the stuff that we do at Beyond Barriers too. It's mm -hmm. really wonderful to have you on the program. Uh, we've got some uh, similar paths that we're on here. So it's, it's uh, quite awesome. And, and uh, you're based in Minnesota, right? I'm in Minnesota, beautiful Minnesota. Yeah, see, I, I'm from Minnesota originally, so I, I thought it would be really interesting to have you on and, and talk about that. And, and um, your background, um, are, you're from Somalia or? I'm a Somali. Okay, all right. Um, and I know um, in Minnesota that the Somalians had a, there was some issues there in the past with uh, racism and, and hate and things like that. Have, have you experienced any of that um, personally, or, or could you tell us a little bit about that? I've been blessed. Uh, when I say I've been blessed, I mean that I haven't experienced outright racism. And uh, maybe it's my outlook and my thinking, because I don't see it. I didn't grow up seeing it as a child in Africa. So in my adulthood, I don't see it either. And, uh, but it exists. It exists because people in the community keep on telling me what's happening to them. So it's Islamophobia. And um, so I know that it exists and it is rampant. But then again, that's not the only thing that's happening around my country in America. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. Uh, racism is on the rise. Um, it, so if there's anti-Semit and, and a racist, believe me, they're always also anti-Muslims. They all go hand in hand together. So yeah. this is an issue that's becoming a major problem in our country today. Well, what I find so inspiring about the, the work that you do too as, as a Muslim speaking up and I've, I've seen you on social media doing it speaking up uh for the jewish people and and this is a this is a, a really big issue right now between the israelis and the palestinians so um as as a muslim that's that's speaking out for peace and and doing how you, doing what you all do have you have you faced uh, a, any backlash for that or has the most of the communities been very supportive of that well, the community doesn't uh, backlash me anymore. I mean, there are, there are individuals in the community who will never agree with what I say. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are, I call them the, uh, the outer tier people. But what we're going for is the center. You see, if they see me saying this, it gives courage to others who are thinking along the same lines. And that's what we're looking for here. We're looking to reach the center and then encourage them to start thinking like we do. For example, when the Palestine-Israel conflict happened this last week, 
uh, anti-Semitism just went through the roof. When I say anti-Semitism, you could say anything you want to say about the Jews. Compare them to Nazis, compare them to Hitler, compare them to, I mean, the most outrageous things you can imagine can be said against the Jews. And then at the same time, too, I was hearing the same thing about Muslims being said by people who are non-Muslims. They were calling us all terrorists. They were calling us all people who are anti-civilization. They hate the West. And everything else you could say, you could say. So it, it's a two-way street. And we are the ones, like you, Jeff Shop and Acacia Dietz, we are the ones who are basically putting our hands up and our voices up, trying to put down a wave. Absolutely. Like it's, I, I'm glad, I, I loved the way that you said it, how, you know, you don't have to be over here or over here. You can be right here. And we need more people right here because the way, you know, I, I think it's amazing. Like what you do, like you said, you know, you kind of get it from both sides in some ways because you are speaking peace. So you're not looking at somebody as their religion or as their political ideas, you're looking at them as a human being. And I think, you know, like you said, you know, with you speaking out and doing what you do and giving this a voice, it gives other people courage to raise their voice as well, to raise their voice and to raise their voice for peace instead of uh, war, instead of combating and being an enemy to everybody. That is so true. Uh, we don't have that many voices for peace anymore. It seems like each one has a camp now. Yeah. It's like I'm in this camp and um, everything else on the other side of it is my enemy. That's not how humanity works. We want a civilized society and to have a civilized society it means dialogue and conversations. It also means coming to agreement on certain fundamental things we all agree on. Number one, mm. we want peace. Is there any human being out here who doesn't want peace? Peace that comes from knowing that I will be safe. And uh, because I am safe, you will be safe. That is important. And we have to promote that at all times. And um, those who are extreme, they are minority, but they're very vocal. They're very loud. Mm -hmm. They're very loud. And they're organizing. They're putting their money together to shape us all. And we have to stand up as citizens. Now, our government, God bless them, they try. But there's mixed messages coming out of them. That's the best I can put it. And, uh, and uh, we civilians, like Jeff Shop or Acacia Diaz, we are trying. But there's no agenda we have. I mean, I don't have a department here, and I don't have an agenda that I'm trying to carry out within society. All I want is peace and freedom and liberties and justice. Everything American. Everything I've come to love about America. Everything I've come to learn in America. Something that I was taught by Minnesotans here in America. Something I came with from Africa, understanding. So that's what we promote in terms of our social outlook, in terms of our objective. That's beautifully stated, and and that's absolutely the absolute truth. And and you're right. You know, there's so much with the extremism, whether it's on the right or the left. These are loud, small. I mean, there's small groups of people that are having these voices, but most of us are still here in the center, and we do want peace, and we want prosperity, and we want all those human rights and dignity and those things that 
everybody should want for their families, you know, but um, these loud voices that are on the far right and the far left seem to be trying to control the dialogue and control the narrative that the public is hearing. So um, what you're doing and, and, and others, others like yourself and like uh, Beyond Barriers, Average Mohammed and other, other groups, I mean, it's so incredibly important um, and it's, it's courageous. Mohammed, so I wanted to ask you a little bit, you know, and, and I, I really enjoyed what you said about um, all the things that are great about America. And as an immigrant, you know, my um, my mother came over from from Europe. So I'm first generation. So I didn't have that experience, but my family did. But I, I'm always curious to hear from people that came to this country, you know, looking for a better life and everything. And, and um, really curious to hear about how you grew up in Africa and, and the differences between here and there and, and, and why you love this country so much. Well, the first difference is opportunity. Um, here in America, you can be anything you want to be, provided you work hard at it. In Africa, the people who work hard every day, but they don't get opportunity. They will never make no more than $5 a day no matter how hard they work in their lives, you know? Here in America, the harder you work, the more you can make, the more you can produce, the more you can create, and uh, the more you can get opportunities for. And this is generational. When we talk about generational, this is something that gets passed on for not just for me, but for your kids and my kids and their kids' kids. It's opportunity that is transcendent generations. And this is something that's just amazing, amazing. You know, and that comes about because there's order in America. When I say there's order, we're talking about law and order. We talk about rights and freedom. We talk about a strong government, strong agencies, strong law enforcement, whether it's our FBI, our Department of Homeland Security, our police departments, or our other agencies who will keep the peace. You know, uh, these, are, these are all the good things that basically make America a success. And uh, that's the biggest difference because in Africa, governance is an issue. When I say governance is an issue, you don't know on whose sides they are when you go meet them. They could be against you, they could be for you one day. Uh, but here in America, you stand a chance because what happens is uh, the government is held accountable. Accountable. Power belongs to the people. To the people, by the people, for the people, just like Lincoln taught us. And this is why we promote democracy around the world. This is why I say theocracy, wanting to make it a religious state is wrong. Wanting to live under communism is wrong. Wanting to live under dictatorship is wrong. And we make messages along those lines. And we tell our kids that. And we tell them why. Now, how did you get started doing what you do? Um, how did you get started doing the counter messaging? Well, in 2014, ISIS and Al Qaeda was targeting my community. When I say they're targeting my community, they were targeting my community. Kids were getting up to five postings on their social media from ISIS and Al Qaeda trying to recruit them. They targeted our community and they were successful. They recruited about 60 individuals. From the United and, uh, States or from? From, the, from Minnesota, United from States. Minnesota. Oh, wow. We, we wow. produce the most jihadis in America. Wow. At that time. And uh, so we sat down and we said, what can we do? We're not law enforcement. We're not the government. We can't arrest them. But what is it that basically is getting these kids? And we figured out it's the propaganda. 
It's the messaging. It's the social media network. It's the network that mm-hmm. they set up whereby they tell the kids and gain over their minds and tell them your family is no longer your family. Your mosque is no longer your mosque. Your religion is no longer the way you understand it. And this is the new format we're teaching you. We're seeing the same thing with our, uh, our, our, our right-wing community and our left-wing community here in America. The same methodology, the same grievances. From grievances, they, can, they create a community and a network. From the network, they create a, a recruitment means. So our job is to interdict and intercept and interrupt the process by creating messaging. Whether we go out live, and I've spoken to tens of thousands of kids, or we go, create viral videos on social media to reach millions of people, tens of millions of people across the world. And the goal is to say, look, uh, they're lying to you. These extremists are lying to you. And we can prove it. And we give them examples and we give them messages which are very simple, nothing complicated about it. A young child can understand it and a young child can tell other children. And that's what the objective is. We're changing minds by the tens of thousands. And that's the goal. We catch them and we bring them back to the center. That's awesome. And that, that, is, that is very similar to some of the things that we do as well with the counter messaging. It's, it's just putting, putting things out there and giving people an alternative way of, of seeing things, of looking at things and, and, um, and reaching them. And that's another question. I have a bunch for you. Um, we're going to keep you busy here uh, tonight, Mohammed. Uh, um, you are working on a, a cartoon uh, counter messaging video right now could you and, and hopefully we'll be able to show it on the program um, if it's finished by the time this comes out uh, could you tell us a little bit about that well it's a message about anti-semitism and we went around and we looked for the definition of anti-semitism there's a definition that basically is agreed upon by all organizations across the world and we use that definition to create this message and the message is basically what is wrong with the anti-Semitic thinking from a personal level, from a human level. And we created a two minute and a half message and a cartoon, which uh, you will play. And it is self, self, I mean, once you hear it, you'll understand it. For our listening audience, we do have the audio for Average Muhammad's cartoon regarding anti-Semitism. Please take a listen. Jews are the enemy of Allah. Jews kill Jesus. Jews control the economy and banks. International Jewry starts wars. Jews control the media. The Holocaust did not happen. Israel is delegitimized and should not exist because it is a Jewish state. Jews created and spread coronavirus. Jews are greedy. Don't Jew me. You must have heard this said at least once or more times in your lives. Perhaps you even said it yourself. It is being said publicly now by extremists, bigots, and terrorists. This is anti-Semitism, vile and ugly. Anti-Semitism denies the humanity of our Jewish brothers and sisters. The level of anti-Semitic hate today is reminiscent of 1933, when Nazi Germany began to dominate the world. By 1945, upon liberation of Europe and Russia, six million Jews were murdered on an industrial scale. Anti-Semitism 
is but a stepping stone to demonize, discredit, deny, discount the Jewish experience so as to marginalize them. Then you know what comes next according to history. Murder. Hafiz Muhammad asks, if you are a Muslim and experience Islamophobia, how can you then accept anti-Semitism? If you're a Christian and most of your prophets are Jews, how then can you hate the Jews? If you're a person of color and know the scourge of racism, how can you hate another human being for just being a Jew? Anti-Semitism stops when we speak up. The time for silence is over. Speak up against anti-Semitism. Courage is contagious. Anti-Semitism must go. Peace up. Extremist thinking out. Now we're putting it into images. Now across the country today in America, the, 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 the hate crime, according to Anti-Defamation League, has gone up 250% just in the past couple of weeks. Not just in America, but in Europe and across the world. Jews are being attacked for just being Jews. For just being Jews. Now this is wrong. This is not acceptable to us as a civilized people. As a Muslim, I'm saying this is wrong. Because again, I have faced, or we have seen Islamophobia, and we know how it felt. We know how it discouraged us, and we know how it created fear in us. And we're saying, look, if you're a Muslim who has experienced Islamophobia, how can you then support anti-Semitism? If you're a black pastor or a pastor of color who've experienced racism, how then can you hate the Jew? If you're a Christian who believes in the prophets who are Jews, from Moses to Solomon to David, how then can you hate the Jew today who's walking on the streets in your, in your city? It doesn't make any sense. And we're reaching out to our kids and we want them to do critically think. We want critical thinking in this process. And we're doing this. And inshallah, if God wills it, by Monday we will release it. By Tuesday we're doing a press conference. And we're trying to get funds because it costs money to spread this message on social media. Just like the extremists are spending money to spread their messages, we're asking the public to donate to us so that we can spread it and make maybe 20 to 25 million people to see it across the world. Awesome. Yeah, and that's something that's something that so many people don't understand, and 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 we get it because we're also working with nothing. You know, we're we're doing all the work that we could do with very very little financing, and a lot of it's coming out of our own pockets. So we we really do understand it, and um, you know, in in Europe, a lot of the nonprofit organizations like Average Mohammed, like Beyond Barriers, and and others, you know, are allocated funds directly from the government. So hopefully, that's something that our our government here in the United States will be looking into and, and hopefully changing because um, the work that we're doing, trying to bring people back to the center is saving lives. And, and Mohammed, the work you do saves lives. It changes lives and it saves lives. And there is no price tag anybody can put on that. It is priceless. It is absolutely priceless. And it's, it's solid gold what you do, brother. Um, and, and we're, again, so honored that you're on the program tonight with us and, and uh, really proud of you and all the great work that you do, sir. When you pointed you. on one thing too, is the fact that like a lot of times we in society, a lot of times in our culture, we wait until it's too late. We wait until the adults 
have caused destruction. We wait until you know, mass attacks have happened. We wait until people are already radicalized and we forget, and this is something that I think is very commendable and that you have spot on, it starts with our kids. It starts with the children. It starts with showing them how this is not okay. But also it's not just here, blindly believe this, but use your own brain and critical thinking to see why this is wrong and to see why we need to be in the center and peaceful and how we can have peace with each other. Um, that's huge. I mean, we have to start with our youth because if you wait until we're already developed adults, one, it's a lot harder to reach us. And two, by the time many have reached that age, they might already be radicalized and some come back from it and some don't. But in order to stop the cycle, you have to start with our youth. We have to start with our children. That's the point. Uh, whoever wins the next generation wins this war. And this is a war, by the way. This is a war of ideas. Mm. This is a war of ideas. And uh, our mantra here at Average Muhammad Organization is it takes an idea to defeat an idea. And this instance, we're talking about an ideology whether it's the far left or the far right or, or extremists who are religious, like ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab, and Boko Haram, and the Taliban, or we're talking about uh, people like the neo-Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan, and the Proud Boys and the QAnon conspiracy people. They're trying mm -hmm. to tear us apart. They're saying, you look, the other is the enemy. And we're saying, no, the other is our friend. Diversity is our strength. People mm -hmm. being different whether it's different sexuality, different religion, different color, different creed, different nationality, this does not matter. They're all human beings. And if you see that, and once you accept that, guess what? Once we teach our kids that, and we go out and we engage them on those principles, we win this generation. And if you win this generation, this issue becomes nothing. It goes back to the fringe. It goes back to the corners where it used to exist before. Mm -hmm. Well stated, well stated. And, and, you know, you look at it and Keisha and I, we were, we were extremists in our past. I'm, I'm looking at this life and the world, the way it is now and what you're saying and, and being in the center. And it's the same thing we're doing as well. It seems so simple and so logical. Like how could anyone not see it? Hey, like, what does it matter if so-and-so's skin color is a little different? What if they are worshiping a different God? Who cares? Like we all have wants, desires. We all want our kids to grow up and be successful. We all want to be happy and healthy. And, and most of us enjoy similar things in life. So what is the, why do we have to divide over, over petty things like politics or skin color or, or religion and things like that? And, and, and you're right. It's a, it's a war of messaging and um, we, you know, we just got to keep up with this messaging um, and, and keep bringing it out there. And as, as Acacia stated, and, and uh, you know, the youth is, is, uh, is where it's at. And, and Mohammed, like with the cartoons, I think it's a great direction because it's going to hit, that younger generation and hopefully prevent them from entering into groups like what we were involved in in the past, you know, or these extremist organizations. Once you get in there, that's your echo chamber. And, and as, as you stated, othering, you know, 
the other the other is is bad because they don't think the way we do and it's it's very easy to get caught up in those echo chambers those those bubbles and um and once they're in there it's it, it is a lot more difficult to get them out than it would be to prevent it in the first place so hearing that you're working with the school systems and things like that too that's that's really incredibly important and and uh um, any way we can empower that and uplift that and boost that messaging, you know, count us in because uh, it's, it's good stuff, man. Well, I'm working on making a curriculum right now. And hopefully in the fall, uh, with help from the University of Minnesota uh, educators, we will create a curriculum. And I wanted you to create a message with me because you came as a former to talk about racism, what it means, what they told you, and more importantly, why it was wrong and why you came out of it. And we'll put it together and, uh, and we'll put together a couple of messages promoting the same values I discussed about my mission value, democracy, peace, anti-extremism, anti-Semitism, racism and things of those sort. And uh, it's important that your voice comes out because the most powerful voice we have today is people like you, Jeff Shop and Acacia Diaz. And the reason why it is the most powerful voice is because you were there. You were on the other side. You were either left wing or right wing, you know? And, uh, and, and, and now you're back to the center. What did it take to get you back to the center? What, what clicked? What, what went, okay, I think I'm on the wrong path. I need to be on the right path. And this path I'm on is not the right path. I mean, that is a value and a message that our youths need today more than anything else. Absolutely. And, and you can count, you can count us in on, on those projects. Definitely uh, looking forward to working with you on that because I, I think it's incredibly important. And um, unfortunately, um, you know, when they say there is the saying when life, uh, when, when life hands you lemons, you should make lemonade. That that's the way I look at our past because our past is, you know, we got handed some lemons, even though it was choices we made, we had to take responsibility for that. We made those choices, but life handed us lemons because of our own choices and now we're making lemonade and we're going to do something good with it because we do understand that path and how how people radicalize and we also understand how to help them de-radicalize and and what in simple terms i mean we've covered this a, a lot before um but just in simple and short terms because i have more questions we have more questions for you but um is getting in touch with one's humanity, being able to see the humanity of the so-called other and realize that, hey, that is not the enemy sitting across from you. That's somebody that's just really a lot like you, that that's maybe has a different skin pigment or follows a different religion. It's They're not much different. And that's what we have to see. And that's what that's what got to me was meeting was meeting a, a Muslim woman and, and a, a black man that um, I had met in my time in the NSM and they showed me their humanity and I was able to identify with it. And then I realized I was on the wrong path. And if someone that had spent most of their adult life involved in one of these extremist groups can change like that. And we see it all the time in the work that we do. And I know you do too, with people, um, people can change and we can help them to change. And that's why these messages are so important and the work that, that you're doing. And it's, it's just incredibly important. And um, another question I had for you, um, and I, ha I had a note here on this, but um, you were uh, in 2020, the State Department Citizen of the Year, and then in 2018, Citizen Diplomat of the Year. Um, could you explain a little bit about that for the, for the listeners and what that was all about? 
2018, Global Ties USA gave me the award, which was the 2018 Citizen Diplomat of the Year. This was an award given to Maya Angelou, the poet activist. It was given to John mm -hmm. Richardson, the guy who started uh, uh, US Institute for Peace, and also given to Senator Fulbright. So this was a big deal. And the main reason why I got that award is because I trained over a thousand NGO government officials and, uh, and organizations and clergy and people from across the world in terms of how do you speak to your community on this issue of extremism? Because we have a program and a model and it's very successful. And, uh, and my goal is to go ahead and say, look, this has worked for me here in Minnesota. This has worked for me here in America. It will work for you there in Africa, in the Middle East, in Asia and in Europe. And uh, I was one of the most successful sought after speaker. And they were like, oh my God, you're making all this time free. Again, I, I don't get paid to do this. We're just doing it because we love our country. We love our humanity. So they gave me that award. And then the State Department in 2020 looked at my program, looked at the, uh, at the proposals we're doing and the work we're doing. And then they looked at the results because they're hearing from across the world, we like that average Mohammed organization. We think the model and the program works for us too. So they awarded me 2020 Citizen Diplomat of the Year uh, because of it. And uh, I told them the same thing I tell everybody. Awards are good, resources is better. <laughs> right? <laughs> the same thing we tell our government. We say, look, right? these awards you're giving us is good. This is recognition. And believe me, it does, it does wonders for my ego. Wonders, you know? But ego is not the issue here. Right. The issue here is we need resources. Can you imagine if we did so much with so little? I've been using my tax returns and my funding and I've been self-funded most of this process myself. Can you imagine if I had a budget? What can mm -hmm. we do? What can Jeff Shop do with a budget? Or me, average Mohammed organization do with a budget? When we've done so much with so little. Yeah. You know? So we try to convince our government. And I talked to my senators. I talked to my congressional delegation. I've talked to people in the State Department, people in the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI. I've talked to people. They're beginning to hear us now. They are beginning because they've tried everything else. They've tried war. They've tried surveillance. They've tried law enforcement. And guess what? The problem is still growing. <laughs> That's that. Right. Yeah. I've I've oh, yeah. said I've I've stated too on this on this uh, you know people have asked you know because there's a a belief that a lot of times if uh, the system or the government pressures people that are in extremist groups that they'll leave. I, <laughs> I don't know who. <laughs> I don't know who's. Double down. It's it's the opposite. It's the opposite, and you and you know that too. I mean, I'm speaking to the choir here a little bit, but they don't realize it. It, when I was when I was leader of the NSM, every single time I got a visit from the feds or the police, or I got some pressure put on me, or I got into a fight with the left, or anything like that, or I got doxxed, I said, "All right, now watch what I'm going to do." And I did twice as much stuff, you know, or two or three times as much stuff. It it re-energized me. It pushed me back into that bubble or into that echo chamber to strike back more and more and more. So their idea of how this stuff works is way off. They don't get it. They do. They don't understand it. We come from that background. We understand it. You, you've worked with those communities. You get it. These are the kind of groups that, you know, we exactly what you said. 
the things we could do with the funding. And, you know, we talk about that amongst our own staff and, and stuff all the time about, well, what, what could we do, you know, and, and, um, struggling to just get basic things out because we're using our own, our own funding, just like you, just like you mentioned. So I, I think, uh, it wasn't a question that was on my list for you, brother, but I think it was something that needs to be talked about and it needs to be said. So I'm glad you brought it up. It's, uh... Well, for the first time, our government is beginning to hear us. And the main reason why they're beginning to hear us is because Winston Churchill once said that America will do everything wrong until they come to the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. so they've, they've tried their way. They tried the hammer. Law enforcement, surveillance, war mechanisms. This is the hammer. And the hammer is not working by itself successfully because this problem is growing. So we're trying, we're telling them try the soft power, the power that exists within us, the citizen, the citizen to citizen diplomacy, the diplomacy that works between us and we go into our neighborhoods, we go into our community, we go into our mosques, we go into our madrasas, we go into our synagogues and we go into our churches and we make this message and we appeal and we win hearts and we win minds. Not the mind, not the hearts. The hearts belong to Allah or Jesus, but the minds we can get. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. Uh, and and, and, and we, we are successful at it, but we can't get a dime. Now, yeah. the reason why trusting people called Muhammad is not pretty much anywhere near where we expect it to be in America. <laughs> I call it national security paranoia. <laughs> They're scared of us. And we're telling them, don't be scared of us. Don't be scared of Jeff Shope because he was in the NSM. Look at him, what he is today. You know, don't be scared of an average Muhammad because you have concerns. Look at what we're trying to achieve here. Empower us. And if you empower us, guess what? You've just empowered your agency. You've just empowered your government and you've just empowered your democracy. How hard is that? Absolutely. Exactly. exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Completely hit the nail on the head. It's, and he's, it's so, right. he's it's, so passionate about I it know, too. I awesome. love it. <laughs> it's, it. It really is. You're right. I mean, it's like, I, it, it goes back to a lot of things, whether a lot of hate, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, it boils back down to fear. Fear of what we do not know or what we do not understand, which then grows. But if you don't take that leap, I mean, they look at the results. They obviously see that you are getting results. Your way is working. You know, being in the center and bringing people together and being able to talk to each other like human beings. I'm no, no two human beings actually agree 100% on everything, nor that's the beauty of it though. But you're able to find that which you do agree on. You agree on the basic human rights that each person deserves to have and you go from there and they see you're getting those results. And like you said, I, I think you're right. I mean, they realize they have been tackling this problem from all the wrong angles. And I think right now they don't really have a choice but to try something else. And they see you're getting results and we've shown them that, you know, there is another way to tackle this. And it doesn't have to be with weapons. It doesn't have to be with, you know, surveillance or whatever. It, it, it's as simple as talking to another human being. Really, when it all boils down to it, I mean, there's a lot more nuance than just that, but 
that's where it starts. Let me let me get on my soapbox for a minute. Go for it. What drives people to extremism? First is grievances. If you're a Muslim, they're saying Islam is under attack, or the correct Islam is not being practiced according to what we believe, a minority. We want to make enslaves of others. We want to uh, bring about a theocratic system when we prefer and majority Muslims across the world will fight and die for democracy. You know, uh, and 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 uh, if you look at the extreme right, we talk about they talk about uh, uh, genocide of white people or white people losing power or the diversity and seeing people of different sexuality, different color, different religion coming on on the, on the main stage of America. This is scaring them because this is not something they used to or they want. They believe that, that that is something wrong with it. And what we're saying is that is one issue. The second thing is networks. And the networks they're talking about is basically uh, social media sites that they go to. They have media, they have news magazines, they have websites, they have networks. They have, uh, they're being pushed out of one social media platform to another, but they keep on popping up. As fast as, we, as fast as social media shuts them down, they pop up somewhere else and they seem to be migrating all over the place. You know, and uh, the third part is is basically when a person becomes active. Now you can engage that those three things we can engage. What I say is what Jeff Shop does and what Acacia does and what I do is we go after the first two areas. When we talk about the first two areas is the grievances. We can message against those grievances and win their hearts and their minds and bring them back to the center. The second thing is the networks. And uh, we can engage through algorithms just like they are doing. Uh, and get on their social media sites and get on their messaging system and get on their, uh, on their systems and get into their community and engage them and even debate them or even engage them further and take them down out of this uh, context of what they see, give them a different idea, you know, at least the option of competition, because this is what America is all about. We compete with each other over everything. It doesn't matter what it is. Soccer, football, basketball. It doesn't matter. If, if there's something that means worth competing about, we will compete. You know, so why don't we do the same against extremists? Exactly. Good point. Really good point. Um, and that's 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 just it. And I mean, with our background, Acacia specifically, she worked in the propaganda department of the National Socialist Movement for NSM Media, and that was a, a big part of the messaging that uh, when we were extremists, that we were doing was like, let's get out material fast, let's hit hot button subjects. And let's make it look as good and as well produced as possible. There was some videos that the NSM was producing that major media thought thought that we had hired a production company to build this. It was all done in house, but it was so well done that they thought that we had hired a production company to do it. So that's the kind of stuff that we're up against on this side is is messaging and 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 that sort of thing and they do have funding they you know their members and people that are in part of these organizations some extremist groups are a lot better funded than others but they do have funding that are being put into these projects so if we are to compete with them in a war of ideas like like what you were just saying we've got to have the backing to do that i mean all the awards and all the uh what they say you know like good job you know and they pat you on the back we get that all the time, but we can't fight with nothing. You know, we can't, we can't, uh, you know, and I know you're producing these videos and things like that. And it's, it's shameful that it has to come out of pocket. You know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't. 
this anti-Semitism video I made, I used my money from my tax return. Mm. <laughs> tax return kicked in, I just made the video. And guess what? It's right on time. Don't take my word for it. Google anti-Semitism right now. Oh, yeah. It's in the headlines. Watch CNN, watch Fox, watch MSNBC, watch NBC, ABC, CBS. It's in the headlines. Listen to your, to what the Jewish community is saying today. Now, I made this. It cost me money. And, and mm. believe me, for my humanity and for, the, for my Jewish brothers and sisters, I will spend anything to secure the society because I believe in my humanity as a Muslim. That is what Islam teaches me. But again, it costs 10 cents to 7 cents to get a set of eyeballs on social media. Yeah. Do you want to get 25 to 50 million people to watch this video? Give me the resources to do that. Who do we go to? Seriously, who, who does Jeff Shop go to to say, look, I have a message that needs to reach 20 to 50 million people. Who do we go to? Now, foundations don't want to touch it. They say, oh, this is a government issue. Institutions don't want to touch it because they say, oh, this is a government issue. We, we have money for global warming. We have money for uh, uh, gang uh, intervention. We have money for diabetes, but we don't have money for counter-ideology. Yeah. So who else do we have to go to? It is our government. That's the only game in town left because, again, it is in the interest of our government to secure our societies. And, it, and, and in that interest, we serve that interest. And to serve that interest is we secure our communities by engaging them and talking to them. And in return, it saves the government billions in surveillance, billions in, in war mechanisms, billions. So it, it is in their interest. We're telling them what Leon Panetta, the, head of, the former head of the CIA and Prime Minister Tony Blair said in their report, spend just 1% of what you're spending on war and surveillance and other means, just 1%. And give it to Jeff Shaw, give it to Mohammed Ahmed and Average Mohammed, give it to Acacia Diaz, give it to other people who are in the spectrum across the world who are Muslims, Jews, Christians, white folks, black folks, sexuality, homosexuals, LGBTI community, people who are trying to change the narrative in this world. Give it to them, and guess what? You will earn and save yourself billions. Yeah. We don't have a lobbyist. Absolutely. Who's going to lobby for us? Unless we do it ourselves. I was just going to nominate you for that. I was going to yeah, say, I was too. like a good lobbyist. <laughs> but you're now right, you're though. Concerned. You're right, you're though. That the guy who makes the weapons, he wants to sell the weapons. The guy who's making the surveillance component, he wants to sell the surveillance component. Mm -hmm. They're making hundreds of millions of dollars in this process. So there's no incentive for people like me and you to be successful there. Right. <laughs> Double-edged sword. It's, it's a sad, it's a very sad truth, unfortunately, um, but you're right. It would save them so much. And, and again, like I said earlier, you can't put a price tag on human lives and that's what we're doing. It's not just saving uh, the life of the individual that's getting involved in extremism, but what if that extremist that we help off ramp or that average Muhammad help off ramp is the next person that walks into a mosque or a synagogue or a church and starts shooting people? That, I mean, that's that's the type of some of the people that we are working with to off ramp is those people that that get triggered by these ideologies to take that ideology to the extreme and go do something horrible to innocence. Mm -hmm. There's no 
you can't put a price tag on that. And, and um, as you said, I mean, they're so worried uh, or so much funding has been put into war and surveillance and all these other things. Just give us a little bit to, to make our materials better, to make the counter messaging more um, effective and, and watch what we can do with it. Cause you know, it's phenomenal. Absolutely. It's not just about giving us funds. It's also allowing us to do what we do best. Look, when you go to a corporation and you say, look, you corporation, we, we have a problem. And they say, okay, what's the problem? You don't tell them what the solution is because you already have the problem. Our governments are facing this problem. Now, the solution should come from us. Ask us what our solution is. In other words, ask an average Mohammed, what, is he, what do you want? How can we help you? What, would, what do you think is the best way for you to go about doing this work? Or Jeff Shaw, or people like Akesha Diaz. How, how, how do you best go about it? But that means to be humble enough to say, look, we've tried our ways. Let's try your way. Now, I keep on telling people, and I reached out to, I just, I just applied for a grant with the Department of Homeland Security to train our local police department. And I'm in contact with the State Department, and I've been asking them, look, uh, can you help me set up organizations I've spoken to in East Africa and West Africa to get them going? You know, because the problem there is becoming more and more and more serious. There'll come a time within this decade that they will kick out every single Westerner out of that region. That includes me and you. Yeah. Wow. And that means basically it's going to affect our markets. It's going to affect our opportunity. It's going to affect our ability to do business anywhere in the world. This is in our interest because the, the, the bloodline of our republic is business, commerce, is opportunity, mm -hmm. and it's about people communicating with each other and living with each other. We have a lot to offer as Americans to East Africa and West Africa and South Asia and the Middle East. And if they are kicking us out, if you can't do business there, if you can't even walk around the streets without being kidnapped or being killed, come on, man. And if you tell me that what you've been doing for the last 20 years has been working, well, that's, you yourself are saying it's not working. The government mm -hmm. themselves are saying it's not working. You've come to that conclusion. Try us. Give us the resources we're asking for. And this national security paranoia that you don't trust people who are farmers or people who are like Muslims or black or people who are different opinions because you know, you're afraid you can't control the message. Just let go a little bit. Yes. Give us the freedoms and the liberties and the rights that we are so proud of here in America. And guess what? We will deliver. We will deliver. Exactly. Love it. Love it. That's that's that in that exact line, Mohammed. We were we were saying we, we wrote up a proposal that we just submitted tonight, I believe, and um, it was to another uh, government, and we said not only do we do what we say we're doing, but we deliver. So it was, it was really awesome to hear you say that, say that exact same line, because that's, that's just it. We're not just talking about it. We are actually making things happen and we're doing it with so little and um, volunteers, you know, uh, the people that are helping us are all volunteering their time and, and uh, outside of their work, regular day jobs and all this. And, and it's, uh, it's phenomenal what we've all been able to accomplish with so little. So um, 
it's it's inspiring and it's always inspiring to come across uh organizations like average Mohammed and, and the work that you're doing and i didn't even realize you had an international component to to the work that you're doing um so if so that was really interesting just hearing that about um east africa so um you're doing stuff on an international level not just locally in minnesota and, and here in the united states but uh, tell us a little bit more about that if you would well the thing is if you don't secure internationally we're not secure here at home if you don't believe me look at september 11th those were 19 individuals, none of, them, none of them were American. None of them, not even one of them was an American citizen. So what's happening over there is gonna to happen to us here. Mm-hmm. And we're living in a world whereby the means for violence is becoming more sophisticated and easy to implement. A pastor mm-hmm. can get a cookbook for the anarchy and, and, and guess what, cause mayhem anywhere in America today. Yep. And we are an open society. We will never shut down our borders. Because, again, our business depends on it. Our prosperity depends on it. Because we either we're selling to the world or we're shutting ourselves off from the world. And America does well when we're selling to the world. Right. And we can't sell to the world if we're shut out. So guess what? It's important for American corporations to understand that if they can't do business there, they won't be able to sell their items here. We, mm. need, we need Africa. We need the Middle East and we need the Asia. And we're not going to get pushed out of it because extremists want to push us out. We will fight. And now we're doing the fighting. But all we're saying is fight smarter. Fight smarter. Engage. Use soft power. Use diplomacy. Citizen to citizen diplomacy. This is something which we can do. Use people who have been accredited. Uh, I've been researched by institutions and organizations. And they've basically given me a clean bill of health for an organization that basically doesn't have any budget. Can you believe that? Yeah. No, yes, unfortunately we can. <laughs> yes. Sadly enough, we can, but no, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's crazy how, like a lot of people think that people like us or people like you, like, like we do this because there's money to be made in it. And let me tell you, and you already know this, Average Muhammad, because you're paying for it all out of pocket too. If you're in it for the people, there is not money to be made in it because you're not doing it for the money. You're doing it for the people. It'd be nice if there is money in it, but that's not the point. The point is the people. Now, if we can get the resources to do what needs to be done for the people, that's... The thing is, uh, this is what I try to tell people mostly, is also there's a risk that we take. How many death threats do we get? ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and Al-Shabaab have sent me death threats, and they told me if they ever catch me, they're going to behead me so fast. <laughs> wow. So what I told them? I told them I'm an American. We don't run, we don't hide, and we don't, we don't back down. You know? <laughs> We are Americans. We we, we are the loudmouths of this world. We will stand up in your face and say, to hell with you. (laughs) Yes. You know? And I get thousands of emails. Majority support us. But I get thousands from right-wing people who hate us and who cast me out. And then I get thousands of emails from the left wing saying, oh, you're supporting the evil empire, America. Mm -hmm. You know? You know, what's wrong with people? You're the, you're the sellout unit of the Muslims. 
you know, selling your people out and, and, and you are a native informer. So we get all this and we put up with it and we have, we, we grow thick skins and we say, look, this is part of life now. Even after all that, to face what we call national security paranoia, yeah, to be to be denied resources based on our backgrounds or our looks or what we're seeing, when we are effective, fear of us, loss of control, you know, uh, this is this is unwarranted. Give us a budget. Tell no. us who we can go to to create this means. And this is something that our congressional leaders should understand and our civic leaders should understand. But more importantly, our corporate leaders should understand where government fails, corporations have stood up and led the way. Yeah, that's, that's a great point that you made too about, you know, and we, we get that as well. We get threats and, and things like that as well from um, because we were extremists and, and now we're in the center. So we get it um, from the right, from the left, the left will, some of the far left will say, you guys are still Nazis because you're not with us. And the far right will say, you guys are commies and Antifa or whatever, because you're not with us. So they're very, both sides are so polarized and they can't see this middle area, but you're right. And I think the government do, doesn't trust a lot of us. And, um, but you're, and I don't talk about it very often about being threatened and things like that. I just, I just don't, but um, it is a really valid point. We put up with that. You know, we left our lives that we had before because we don't believe in it because it's wrong. And we finally saw that it was wrong. So we're trying to do something good here and we have the skill set, We have the, we have the experience to be able to do that. And we are doing, doing what we can with what's available. So I think it's really important that, um, you know, how, how you explained it was brilliant, man. And, and it was really, it really needs to be said. It needs to be heard as well. And, and it brought me to another, uh, just a quick thought that I had on it. Um, in some of the work that we do with um, helping people to disengage and de-radicalize from extremism, a lot of times I'm talking with people that are on the fence, they're still in the movement, they're not, they're not completely out yet. And I'll get done with a phone call with, with one of them and they'll be like, you know what? this was really cool. This was really interesting. And I, and I said, yeah. And they said, even though we're on different sides of the political fence, we both showed each other respect and we had a decent conversation like two human beings and we, and, and it was great. How cool is that? And, you know, at the time I, you know, when I hear that, I think like, well, of course, of course, you can call and have a conversation about these things. But when you think about it afterwards, or you know, we start processing these things, you think, wow, these are people that are extremists that we're working with that are so happy about just being able to have a conversation because they're used to hitting that wall. You know, like when you, you get out there and, and every, you're against everybody and everybody's against you. And now someone's just listening and it's like really meaningful to them to just hear somebody that's willing to listen. That's where it begins. That's how we change hearts and minds is, is just listening. And when they listen, when you listen to them, they have to listen to you too, because it's a respect thing. So now we have that opportunity to plant those seeds. And um, we don't have enough of that in America right now, because um, even between Republicans and Democrats, 
things are so polarized that if, well, if you voted for Trump, then you're a bigot and, and we're not going to talk to you. Or if you voted for Biden, you're, you know, a commie or something, and we're not going to talk to you. And neither of these things are necessarily true. Most of us are here in the middle. And um, yeah, I just, I wish more people would see it, but uh, we're working on it. Well, I wish you the best of luck. And um, inshallah, if God wills it, we will get what we're asking for. Because now, finally, our government is listening to us. Finally. Like I said, what Winston Churchill said, it was the truth. They will try everything wrong before they come to the right decision. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and they're coming to the right decision now. And we were trying to empower FBI, our DHS, our, our State Department, our CIA, our soldiers, who we are, we are very proud of. Memorial Day weekend is coming up. Uh, we're very proud of our soldiers. And we're telling them, look, you're fighting hard. Fight smart. Use us. Put us to work. Give us a budget. We'll tell you what we're trying to do. And we will quantify it for you. And we'll bring you back results. You know? And uh, let's go from there. I cannot awesome. argue with one second of that. That was that's great. Absolutely. Acacia, do you have any more questions for Mohammed? I've got lots of questions, <laughs> but um, it, it no, it you hit everything right on the head. Like, I'm very very excited to see uh, the new cartoon that you just did and uh, see where it goes because I mean it's this is what we need more of. Like you said, it, it's 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 a battle of ideologies. It, it's a battle of the mind, really, which then turns into a physical thing. But, you know, and that's where you got to start. You got to start, you know, there. So I, th I think what you're doing is absolutely commendable. I think it is completely on the right track. Like, I, I love it. I really do. Thank you, Thank you for saying that. It's true. Coming, coming from your background, that goes a long way. I mean it. You, you said it in the beginning that, um, you know, lifting your voice gives other people the courage to lift their voice. And it, it's true. I mean, it's because of people like you and others and, you know, that I keep doing what I do. And I know Jeff keeps doing what he does because, you know, as you know, doing this kind of thing can be very mentally exhausting. Mm. But if we don't do it, who will? Hopefully more people will. That's true. So. That's why I created Average Muhammad. Because I'm just an average guy, just like you are, just average people. And it takes the average guy to radicalize the average citizen. It will take us average citizens to de-radicalize our communities. And we're willing, we put up, and uh, we're walking, walking the walk. What we need is support. What we need is platforms. What we need is networks. What we need is resources. And we're asking mm -hmm. for it loudly now. Before yes. we were quiet about it, but now we're not quiet anymore because they're shooting up our synagogues. They're shooting up our Walmarts. They're shooting up our mosques. We're done. We're done. No, no more, no more, Mr. Nice Guy. We're trying to do the right thing, and we're asking our institutions, our foundations, our corporations, our governments 
step up. We did. You should yes. too. Step up.